We began a couple of weeks ago talking to you about it's all about people, so we're going to continue that today. Would you take your Bibles and go to the book of John, the fourth chapter, and as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses today. I'm grateful for what God is doing in each and every love and truth location. I believe that God has a destiny and a purpose for each place that a love and truth church is, and so I'm great, grateful that you're there. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, so let's get ready to see what God's going to speak to us today. We began talking the first week. Let me kind of recap just a moment. The first week we talked about seeing like Jesus sees. It's all about people, so how did Jesus see? Well, the Bible says that he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. And so we talked that first week in seeing like Jesus sees, that Jesus saw that the, that the uh, people were valuable, uh, that he saw that they were plentiful, and that he saw that the harvest was ready. And so that was what we spent time on the first week. Last week, we talked about no more excuses. How many of you found out that as Christians, we have a lot of times, we can make up a lot of excuses why we don't need to do what God's called us to do? And, and so we spent time actually in this John, the fourth chapter last week, where Jesus told them, he said, don't say four months, and then comes the harvest. He said, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And so today, we're going to continue there. So if you just take your Bibles and, or whatever you have the Bible on and just open it up to John, the fourth chapter, in just a few moments, we're going to begin to talk about some specifics out of this passage there. Here, here's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about risk and rewards. How, how many of you like to be rewarded? The rest of you are weird. Let me ask that question again. How many of you like to be rewarded? I mean, come on, really? I mean, everybody likes rewards. Everybody likes to receive. Everybody likes to get. Amen? I mean, come on. We, you say, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. You know it does. Let your spouse forget one of those days. It will be cold in that house for years to come. Let, let a man forget the anniversary. Or let him buy something dumb like a stove for the anniversary. <laughs> I just want something practical this year. She's lying. <laughs> you better get something sparkly or you're going to be in trouble. I'm just helping you guys, all right? So, so there's, there's this whole aspect of risk and rewards. And even in the kingdom of God, when, when you look at this whole setting here of the fourth chapter of the book of John, what you find is, is that Jesus had to be willing to risk to receive the reward of an entire city uh, coming to salvation. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let me set it up for you in uh, just a moment because we don't have time to read the entirety of this passage. Here's what it's about. The Bible says that Jesus had been preaching and baptizing and things had been happening at a great level. And, and he, he leaves the place where he has been and he says, I must go by Samaria. And so when they get to Samaria, the, the scripture says that he sends the disciples on into the city to buy food and he sits down at the well. The scripture lets us know that it's noon. It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon and he's sitting at the well and I think my, my personal interpretation of this Jesus who is God incarnate the Bible says he knew what was going to take place there, there was a divine destiny that was waiting here's what I believe in all of our lives I believe that you have divine moments you have divine encounters if you would only be ready for them 
that God has already prepared it. Before the foundation of the world, God had already prepared for you to run into that person. God had already prepared for you to see that person. God had already made it uh, where you were going to have an encounter at that moment. And so Jesus shows up, and he shows up not for a city, I don't believe, although that's the byproduct. He shows up for a lady. He shows up for a woman who is coming to the well at noontime. Now, just to remind you, noontime is not when you go to get water. You either go early in the morning or you go late in the evening. But she is coming because she does not want to have to encounter anybody. She has been rejected. She is the outcast of this little village, this little town that she is living in. And so she comes when nobody else is going to be there. And so as she's coming to the well, I mean, get the picture just for a moment. Can, can you imagine that she's coming to the well and, and all the problems, all the difficulties of her life maybe are, are just weighing her down that day, and she's just thinking about all the trouble, kind of like a lot of people that you and I know. And, and as she's on her way there, she looks up and she sees somebody sitting there, and her first thought is, oh, no, today I don't want to talk to anybody. You ever had one of those days? Right? It's like... Oh, man. Now, some of you have never had one of those days. Let's just tell the truth. You would talk to the wall. I mean, you really would, all right? But, but some of us who are not kind of wired that way, there are those moments we go, I just want to talk to anybody. And she sees this, and then on top of that, she can tell he's a Jewish rabbi by the way he's dressed. And she's going, man, what is a Jewish guy doing here? And what is a rabbi doing here on top of that? And she comes there, and, and she's trying just to do her business and, and get out of there and go back to her house and not have to deal with anybody. And Jesus, in, in his way, he just says to her, would you give me some water? And she said, what are you talking to me for? She said, you're Jewish. I'm Samaritan. We don't even talk to each other. And he said, if you knew who I was, he said, you would ask me to give you something to drink, and you would never thirst again. And she looks at him, and she says, you don't have a bucket, and you don't have a rope. How are you talking to me about water? Right? And then Jesus says to her, he says, uh, and it's, it's a random comment. It, it, has, it, is, it is so incongruent that it's funny. He's talking to her about water, all this whole thing, and then he says to her, go call your husband. Come on, have you ever been talking to somebody and they just go off somewhere? Don't look at anybody specific sitting next to you. I mean, really, have you ever, I mean, it's like, wh where did that come from? Right? Go call, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have one. And he said, you said that right. He said, not only do you know, he said, you've had five and you're hanging out with a guy, living with a guy right now, and you're not married to him. And she says, you must be a prophet. I mean, you know what? When you, when you start dealing in people's stuff, they get real spiritual. Now, they do. Now, watch this. Because at this, to this time, she's talking about water, and she's wanting water so she doesn't have to come back to the well. And he says to her, hey, I want to tell you, uh, you've been married five times. You're living with a guy. And she goes, you're a prophet. And then, then she gets real religious. Our fathers say that we ought to worship on this mountain, but you say we ought to worship in Jerusalem. Again, this, this conversation just took another turn somewhere. It's, it's like one of the most inconceivable conversations ever. 
And Jesus says to her, he, he, he looked at her and he said, he said, the time is coming where you won't worship in Jerusalem and you won't worship on the mountain. He said, there's a day coming when people will worship God in spirit and in truth. And, and in this dialogue that he has with her, then the next part of there tells us uh, that she goes back into the city. She tells all the people about what's happened to her. They come out. Jesus hangs out with them a couple of days, and basically the entire village, the entire area, gets saved and turn their lives over to Christ because of this encounter with this woman. Now, he, here's what we've got to understand. It, I, I want to give you some, some, just some keys today out of, out of this encounter that Jesus had. Jesus was willing to risk. Remember that. He, he, he put himself out there at that moment we've got to learn to be risk takers if we want to receive the reward of seeing people saved you've got to be willing to be shot down if you're going to see people saved it's it's not a sure thing this whole aspect of witnessing to people and telling them about Jesus Christ everybody you talk to about Jesus is not going to get saved so you have to be willing to risk. Jesus had to be willing to put himself out there so that, that he could begin to, to see something happen. Now, look in verse 7, if you would. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, I've, I've kind of set it up for you, but here, here's the first thing you've got to understand. You've got to meet people where they are. I mean, isn't it interesting that Jesus is always talking to people about what they're interested in? He sees farmers, he talks about farming. He sees, uh, this, he sees the Pharisees, and he gets real spiritual and, and talks about the great things of the temple. Uh, he meets a woman at a well coming to get water. Guess what he talks about? Now, now most of us would have said, uh, let me explain to you the intricacies of the doctrine of the Godhead. Because we want to show how intellectually great we are. We, we, we want to express to people, uh, if, if you are as spiritual as I am. Have you ever met spiritual people? No, I'm talking about super spiritual people. I'm talking about weird people. You understand? They, they're always kind of out there somewhere. They're in the ozone. They're... Jesus does not approach people that. Jesus meets this lady right where she's at. I wonder what would happen in our time of talking to people about Jesus Christ if we would literally just meet them where they are. If, if we would come to that place of saying, you know what, let's, let's, if, if, they've got, if they're at the well, let's talk about water. See, some of us have gotten so far removed I mess people up a lot of times because I know what's going on in society. I mess people up because I know who Lil Wayne is. I wish Lil Wayne pulled his britches up, but, you know, I mean, it messes people up. I can't believe that the pastor of the church would know. Well, let me help you. The people out there, they're not walking around thinking of the heavenlies. They're not talking about, well, I wonder what John the Revelator had to say about that. I wonder what, you know, the great insight of the theologian Augustine had to say. I don't think that they're asking those questions. I think they're dealing with life right where it's at. 
I think they're talking about an election. I think that they're talking about the parties. I think that they're talking about what's going on in our society. I think that's where people are. And a lot of times where Christian comes in is that we come in at such a level where people are not, and then we say, well, they didn't really want the gospel. It wasn't that they didn't want the gospel. is we were in two different worlds. It was like you were speaking Chinese and they were speaking English and couldn't understand. Because you do know that Christians speak a different language. It's called Christianese. Hallelujah, brother. Brother, you're not my brother. I don't even know you, man. Have you been washed in the blood? Really? What does that mean? That sounds crazy. You know, we, we, we talk about, well, you know, if, if you would just be sanctified. I don't even know what that means. We, we have all of these terms. We have all this language. We have all this verbiage that, that we understand because we're part of the club. But you've got to find out where people are, and you've got to meet them right where they are. Jesus, listen, he is God manifest in the flesh. He could have blown her away. But what does he do? He talks to her about water. He met her right where she was. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked for you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Then verse 13. Jesus answered and said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The, the second thing that you've got to do is that you've got to create curiosity in people. Have you ever been around somebody who is excited about something that they're doing in life? Maybe it's a new hobby. Maybe it's a different job they've gotten. Maybe it's, it's, it's something. But, but they start talking to you about it, and they get you curious about what they're talking about. It's like, you know, I, I really don't like football, but this guy's talking about it, and all of a sudden I get to wondering about all the stuff because he's so pumped, he's so excited about it, I want to learn more about it. There's this whole aspect as Christians that you and I need to create curiosity in people's lives. We, we need to talk to them, number one, where they're at, but number two, we need to talk to them in such a way that they look at us. And again, here goes that scripture I throw at you all the time. Be ready to give an answer to every man who asks of you of the hope that lies within you. In other words, there ought to be something about our lifestyle. There ought to be something about the way that we are living that is creating curiosity in people's lives that they will ask us, hey, what's different about you? Not weird, not strange, but why is your life better than my life? I mean, this woman goes, man, if you can give me that kind of water, I'm not going to have to come down to this well ever again. She said, I'll never be thirsty again. She said, come on, dude, let me have it. Why? Because she's curious. I mean, she, you know, uh, she had never seen running water. She, she didn't know what it was to turn the tap on. She didn't know what it was to go to the refrigerator and push the button and get cold water and ice. She, did, she had no clue of that. And Jesus says, I'll give you water. You'll never thirst again. She goes, I'll take that. 
I mean, what is it that's in our lives that people desire? I'll tell you what it is. Here's what people desire. People desire peace. You say, oh, no, people desire money. They desire this. They desire status. They desire all that. No, they think that that's going to bring it. And so they go after it. They pursue it. They get the education. They get the degree. They get the stuff. They, they build a house. They do all of that. But what they're really looking for is peace. Because if you have peace, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I have learned whatever situation I am. He, he said, I've learned how to have everything. And he said, I've learned how to have nothing. And he said, wherever I am, he said, I have learned how to be content. Why? Because the Apostle Paul knew what it was to have the peace of the Lord in him. He knew how to be peaceful if he was standing before the, the king of the area or he knew what it was to be peaceful when he was hanging out in a jail cell. And people wanted what Paul had. In fact, one time, uh, one of the, the kings looked at him and said, Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. There, there's something about you. There's something inside of you. What, what's going on in you almost makes me want to be a Christian. Now, that's pretty big uh, for, for a king to say. And, and what, what we misunderstand is, is we think that they have it better than us. Come on, don't get lost. We look at people who don't know Jesus Christ and say, yeah, but they get to do this and they get to do that. and They, go, yeah. they wouldn't want what I've got. You know, because if you live for Jesus, there's some places you can't go and some things you can't do and some things you can't say and, and all that stuff. And, and, and we get, well, nobody would want that. Let me help you. All those places they go, all those things they do, they are destructive to them in the long run. Okay, they went to the club last night. Guess what they're doing this morning? They're hugging the commode. They got a headache that's taking their head off. They woke up with somebody. They don't even know who it is. And they're wondering, am I going to get tested again for this dude? Might as well talk to you. You're here. Right? We've got to understand that what we have is greater than what the world has. It's better than anything that's out there. It is the most powerful thing on earth when you come in a relationship with Jesus Christ and receive the peace that passeth, the Bible says, all understanding. And that's what the world is looking for. And so you and I have got to create curiosity in people's lives. Look at verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Here's the third thing you've got to do. You've got to address a need. You have to address the need that's in that person's life. Now, this lady's need was acceptance. This person, this woman was looking for love in all the wrong places. This woman had, had experienced life from one man to the next to the next. And I guarantee you, if her life was looked at, that, that not only had she had five husbands, I guarantee you there'd been a lot of other guys in between. 
Why? Because she wants to be accepted. I don't know. We don't know the story. We don't know what. But, but somewhere in there, she, there's, there's, a, there's a vacuum in her life that she thinks that some man is going to bring into her life. And Jesus just goes right to the point. He just deals with the issue at that moment, and he talks to her about what she is needing. You and I have got to be willing to spiritually discern what's happening in people's lives and to address the need that's in their life. We've got to be able to say, you know what, here's what I sense. We need to listen at a level. I talked about this last week. We need to listen at a level where we understand what they're saying. And when they let us know what's happening in their lives, then we need to address exactly what's going on at that moment in their life. And so if they're struggling with an addiction in their life, we can't just throw out some cliche. We have to be willing at that moment to talk to them and to help them with what's happening in their life. If their marriage is messed up, you got to deal with the marriage. If they're hungry, you got to feed them. If they're thirsty, guess what? you got to give them water. You've got to address the need. The, the need of their life has to be addressed before we can get them to the spiritual dimension. It's hard, listen, it's hard to tell a hungry child about Jesus. Why? Because their mind is on what they're going to get to eat or not get to eat. But if you feed that child, if you address the need of that child, then once they are full, then you can tell them about Jesus. Now that's simple. We all understand that. But it's the same way across the board in people's lives. We have to be willing to address the need that's happening in their life at that moment. And then from there, we can move into the spiritual dynamics. Because if you look, verse 21 through 26, and I won't read all of this, but it, but it begins to talk about this whole spiritual encounter there where Jesus says, Believe me, woman, a time's coming where you won't worship me on this mountain or that. You're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. So the fourth thing you've got to do when, when you're encountering someone that you've got to give them spiritual direction. See, I think that's where the social gospel misses it. I believe that we ought to help people who are in need. This church does that at many levels. We, we don't get up and blow a trumpet about it because the Bible tells us not to. But there's all kind of things going on. There, there are things that go on weekly, and, and there's all kind of ministries that we sow into and that we help support through this local house that are meeting people's physical needs. But you know what? It's not enough just to meet the physical need. You've also got to touch the spiritual need. The government's trying to meet the physical need, but I promise you that won't take care of the problems in society. Why? Because as soon as I meet the physical need, there'll be another physical need. And then another one, and then another one. But if I can meet the physical need so I can get your attention, then I can deal with the spiritual, which will be life-changing for you. It's interesting how Jesus does this, and I want you to follow this for a moment. The Bible says, Jesus said, there's coming a day, there's coming a moment. And he's, he's not talking about in the sweet by and by. He's talking about here. He said, there's coming a moment where you won't worship in Jerusalem and you won't worship on this mountain, but you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. 
If you begin to look at that carefully, what you find is, is that the children of Israel and even the Samaritans who were, were half, half Israelite and, and half, you know, everything else, they, they had uh, worshipped God in truth for generations. They had the Torah. They had the Old Testament law. They, they had truth. Have, have you ever met Christians who have truth? They're a joy, aren't they? I mean, they'll cut you up, leave you bleeding, and walk away feeling just holy and righteous. Man, I did my job. I gave them the word. I told them they were all a bunch of heathens and they were going to hell. Hallelujah. Right? And, and that's what the law did. In fact, the apostle Paul said, man, the law messed me up. And, and that's what it is. Jesus said, and Jesus tells us another point. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. But when he's talking to this woman, he said, there's coming a moment, there's coming a time where people are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. I want you to get this because this, this can be revelatory for you. Jesus showed up and the first thing out of his mouth was repent or change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He shows up and says, the kingdom of heaven is here. Then a little bit later, here's what Jesus said. He said, none born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. He said, in this, what's been coming, he said, all the prophets, everybody that's come before John, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But then he goes on and says, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. We read that and we go, what's that talking about? Here's the deal. Don't miss this. Until Jesus' death and ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we are under truth. We are under the law. John the Baptist, as great as he was, was a man of truth. But he wasn't a man, and I'm going to mess your world up, some of you. He wasn't a man of the Spirit. I'll slow way down. It is not until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts where people now can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You and I have got to come to that place where we understand that people don't need just the truth because the truth will cut you. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, dividing, asunder, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It goes into the thought and the intent of the heart, the Bible says. If all I've got is truth, I just kill people. But if I walk in the Spirit and I have truth, then I am able to give people spiritual direction for their life and their life transforms and their life changes and that's what we're called to do now here's here's what i want to share with you in the next three or four minutes i, I want to give you a process of how to lead somebody to salvation real easy we're just going to call it the abc's okay because that's what it starts with all right each of these there's going to be three steps real quickly but i want to give you the practicality if i meet somebody i've got them there now how do i get them to the first thing number one is you tell people you've got once you've got them and they're ready tell them you need to admit that you are a sinner number one admit you're a sinner romans 5 8 
It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you need to know, look, the word of God says you're a sinner. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death, but, thank goodness there's that, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. And, and so you just need to spend a moment with him there. So listen, the first thing you've got to do is that you've got to admit that you are a sinner. The second thing that you've got to do is, is that you've got to believe, all right? I've got to admit I'm a sinner, but secondly, I've got to believe in Jesus Christ. I, I've got to come to that place where I'm no longer just have heard about him, but now I believe in him. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, what, believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And you just need to say, you know what, you need to believe. You need to admit you're a sinner, but secondly, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. You know what, you become God's child by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. How do I get saved? I get saved, listen, not by works, lest any man would boast. I'm saved by grace through faith. That not of myself is a gift of God. How do I get there? How do I, what happens? When I am at that point, I have admitted that I'm a sinner. And I've asked God to forgive me of my sins. And now I believe that Jesus Christ has come to this earth to take away my sins. Then I move into relationship with Jesus Christ. John, the first chapter and the 12th verse says, Yet to all, received, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, when it talks about believing in his name, it does not mean, well, I've heard about him. No, it means that you believe that he is Lord and Savior. Not that you believe he's a good teacher or he's a good this or that. No, you've got to believe that he is Lord and Savior. And then last, the C, A-B-C, admit, believe, C, is you've got to confess Jesus as Lord. Amen? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, what, will be saved. So I, I, I've got to get there. I've got to get people to confess that to the Lord. And, and once I've done that, now watch this. That's the beginning. That's getting me into relationship with Jesus. Then I've got to consecrate my life to God. There's two C's, actually. I confess, but I also consecrate. I've got to consecrate my life to God. Galatians says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I live, I live by faith and alone in God's Son who gave himself for me. You and I have got to come to that place where we understand that day in and day out that we've got to consecrate our lives to Jesus Christ. You know what? That's not a one-time thing. That's not something you do just once. That's something you do daily. I give my life. To Jesus Christ daily and you know what there are people in our world who need to know what we know and not only do they need to know what we know they need to know who we know they need to know Jesus Christ let me tell you it's all about people it's all about people what's happening in their world what's happening in their lives.